It was a wonderful Christmas because once again we got to hear tremendous stories of faith. We were reminded of something we already knew. And that was that Jesus is born again in our lives. And it's nice that these stories are fresh in our minds because it points out the fact that life experiences that those people who are touched by Jesus changed their lives. Think about all of the people whose lives were changed because of the Christmas story. Of course, you have Mary and Joseph, the fathers. You have the innkeeper. His life was changed. You had Herod, who's the villain in the story. His life took on a new direction. Zechariah and Elizabeth and their little baby, a cousin to Jesus by the name of John, who became the baptizer. Simeon and Anna, who were in the temple, who had been waiting to identify, to see, and to rejoice in the coming of the Messiah. All of these people had their lives changed because they met Jesus. I think in our lives, there are experiences that we have that change us. We're never the same after them. It might be the phone call. It might be an envelope that you open. It might be an interview. Each of these can be a positive or a negative experience but they have the power to change your life, the trajectory that you're on. My son Trent, it was just about this time of year, 20 years ago, he had turned in all of his applications for the colleges and universities that he wished to attend. He was waiting expectantly. He was waiting for an envelope to come that would decide his life, basically. He was at school one day. It was perhaps in March when it finally came, maybe a little earlier, uh, February. And the envelope he had been waiting for came. And it, it happened this way. He was at school, and one of the girl's mother called her and said, there's a letter here from Stanford University for her, for you. And so she jumped in her car and she ran home. But before she left, she was so excited, she told everybody she knew that the letter had come. So as soon as Trent can, he jumps in his car and he comes rushing home. He comes into the house. It's noontime. He runs into us and he says, has the mailman come? Has the mailman come? No. We said, the mail hasn't come yet. It's going to come any minute. And he looked out the window and there was the mailman. And he rushed out the window, or out the door, and he ran up to the mailman, grabbed the mail from him and didn't even bother to say thank you and was thumbing through the envelopes as uh, he came into the house. And there it was. 
In the upper left-hand corner was the big S and a giant sequoia tree, the emblem of Stanford University. And the envelope was not the thin one-page letter that says, we are sorry to inform you that you're not accepted. No. This was a thick envelope, eight and a half by 11. It had requests for housing and financial aid and all kinds of opportunity. And he tore it open. And he just began to read and it said, congratulations, you are a member of the freshman class of Stanford University of 1985. He leaped into the air with a whoop and he took off running and he went through the family room, he went through the living room, he came back into the kitchen and for good measure he did it one more time. He went through into the family room, around through the living room and back to the kitchen and then finally he sat down out of breath and we could share his joy and his excitement. The envelope had changed his life forever. When did you first meet Jesus Christ? Did that encounter with Jesus Christ change your life forever? And did you jump into the air and give a great whoop and run through the family room and run through the living room and run through the kitchen just leaping with joy? And if you did, where is that joy gone? Why is it dissipated and it's no longer there? I was a delegate to the Missouri Council of Churches for a number of years. And I can remember very clearly at the St. Louis annual meeting that a Baptist minister got up at the ending session and he gave this impassioned plea asking us, where is your passion for Jesus Christ? The church has become so mundane and so ho-hum that we've lost our enthusiasm for that which changes our life. Where is your passion? He asked. And I still remember this some 20 years later, 30 years almost now. Now folks, I'm talking about the E word. And in comfortable, polite society, we don't say the E-word. Uh, it's, it's a part of our Christian faith that we dare not speak its name. E-word is about evangelism. That we have enough passion and we have enough enthusiasm about our own faith that we don't hesitate to share it with other people. You know the statistic, I've said it before, most of us invite somebody to come to church once every 10 years. Now there are a few others, you know, who have invited friends to come. And this isn't the last time in 10 years, okay? I want you to do it again. But evangelism has become this negative word that we're afraid of. And all it means is announcing the good news. 
The word you is uh, E-U in Greek. It stands for good or wellness. Uh, you can see it in the word you uh, stress as opposed to distress. Distress is bad. You stress is good stress. Or you see it in the word eureka where you find gold and you're shouting, Eureka! I have found it! It is the good. The good news. Angelon, angelion, is then meaning, the, is the verb that says announcing the good or proclaiming the good or sharing the good. So evangelism isn't a bad word and it's not a bad thing to do. Evangelism is our opportunity to share that which is so exciting that we can't help but share it with others. It's a gift from God, as Lynn said. It's like giving people a gift is to share it, and yet we cow before it and we don't talk about it. Larry Warner's family said that one of the greatest gifts that he got has received in his life was to find a fellowship of Christians where he could celebrate his love of Christ and be accepted for who he is. Now this is his family. They are of a different faith tradition. And yet they recognize that Larry found the good news here. And he is never shy about sharing that with other people. The glow that he has speaks for itself. His commitment to serving others speaks for itself. He is the gift. The gift to us and to one another. And his family recognizes that it is in this congregation that that happens. Evangelism. Now I'm doing a sermon series on the purpose of the church. And evangelism isn't one of the four things that I'm talking about. And when I say that you're going... Huh? Did you just lose your line of thought? No. The four purposes of the church that I'm talking about is N-E-W-S, nurture, education, worship, and service. Good news indeed. But evangelism is a part of all four of those. Because it is how we share the love of God as we nurture one another as we sit in education and change who we are, as we worship and praise God and as we give service to other people like Larry does. And so evangelism isn't one of the four purposes. It undergirds all four of them. And it is in that undergirding that the other four become the good news in Jesus Christ. One of the great opportunities that we have is to be evangelical, that is, evangelists, sharing the good news. It's different than proselytizing or converting, but rather it is sharing our authentic experience of faith with someone else because we are so excited 
that it oozes out of our pores. You know that when Trent went back to school on that day 20 years ago, you know that within five minutes, everybody in the school knew what was in the envelope. When you go back to work on Monday, will everybody at your workplace have a sense that you're excited and enthusiastic about the gift that you receive through Jesus Christ? Centuries ago, there was a group of theologians that tried to figure out why we exist. What is God's purpose for us as human beings? The way that they phrased the question that they sought to answer so diligently is a little dated, but it was, what is the chief end of man? What's the central purpose for our humanity? And the answer is telling. The answer that they came up with after years of study is this, that we are to know God and to enjoy God forever. To know God and to enjoy God. That's why He sent His Son. So that we could have a relationship with God and enjoy that relationship. Not with some ephemeral, uh, esoteric thought that is God, but in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. That the child who came and lived and changed so many lives, including mine and including yours. Colossians chapter 1 ends describing why this was done. And it was that the mystery would be revealed. And then Paul, writing to that church, said, And the mystery is, that has been hidden for all of these ages, the mystery is Christ in us. And that's it. Christ in us. And so we are the authentic revelation of Jesus Christ as we come to worship and as we go into our workaday world. Christ in us is the mystery that has been now revealed to us in Jesus Christ. Christ in us. That is God being present in a relationship, in a humanity, in an authentic presence that empowers us to be real people. That we can go into the world and we can preach the gospel and we can be about baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because as I meet Christ and as I share my faith, I'm strengthened by the sharing and the person hearing my testimony or my authentic witness is also strengthened and changed.
And so I say thanks be to God for changed lives that are made possible in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen.